good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there and welcome to this episode number 421 of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Anatko. Florence Ion is still on medical leave. But what's the best possible news you could get right now? Yes, let's say it together. Flo is back next week. Yay! Ah, goodness gracious, have I ever missed her. I'm sure no less than all of you have missed her. It's uh, My goodness, it's going to be great to have her back. The The past uh, couple months, I think, how many episodes have I done solo? Maybe 10? Eh, maybe a little less than that. It's a fun diversion, uh, but it's way, way, way more fun with Flo. It's like writing a show every single week. Again, I've, I've written like now 421 of these shows, but it's, I much, much prefer writing this show where I'm, I'm choosing topics based on how good a conversation this could be. Like how much am I looking forward to talking about this story with Flo uh, as opposed to, oh, what kind of personal take do I have? And again, that's fun. That's great. That's <laughs> that's what I do Like every time that I, that I write something. It's always about, okay, but uh, what beyond the facts, what do you think about this? What context can you add? Is this something that um, you need to – is there a really big important message that you think you need to communicate with this? How much of your point of view can you invest in this? Again, it's great. It's, it's also great for the ego because, oh my goodness, I am the only important voice in this show is me right now. But yeah, that's no that's no good. I don't understand. Uh, I don't. I I don't understand. Uh, like some some of these pundits that they spend their entire careers like doing nothing but monologues because that's not good for your ego. I mean, it's important. I think day to day as you go through life. Not to negate your own ego, but to at least have have borders around it, you know, uh, that to realize that I'm uh, I'm not playing a video game here. It's not as though every single other human shaped entity that I encounter is a non playing non playable character that it's going to be it's interesting when you think about having expressing your opinion in front of an audience knowing that that audience can share right back to you you know that's something that i've always had uh, even when i started writing like when i was 19 or 20 years old it was the, it was uh, uh uh the very very early days of like the public internet and the forums that i was in you know, the Usenet groups I was in, I always knew that if I were real, if I said something really dumb or poorly thought out, I would hear about it or people would, people would talk about it <laughs> and I would read about it and I would feel very, very, very sad, uh, which is why I didn't like to get things wrong factually. Cause that's, you know, you have to, when you have opinions, you have to, uh, share them truthfully, honestly, and with confidence. However, and, and so, and you can't really control how people are going to react to that. You can try to plan that out. You can try to figure out uh, who's who's going to be listening to this, what their reaction might be, and how to address concerns or questions or you know pain points that might be in your uh, in your Discord. Uh, but f- what really we, what really would always get to me is when I get a fact wrong, 
that would absolutely kill me because again, I don't have control over how people are going to react to something I say. However, I have control over whether I'm saying something that is factually correct or not. That's a binary state, you know, <laughs> usually that's a binary state. I still remember, uh, I'm, I'm not quite as tightly wound up as I was <laughs> like 20 years ago, but I still remember, uh, I was speaking at a week long conference filed, uh, might have been actually my first uh, column or first article about uh, Apple's transition from like the the classic Macintosh operating system to what would become Mac OS X, which was going to be built upon upon Unix. And so I, I mentioned what, what the kernel was, and I got it. I, I mean, I, I knew what it was. I knew it, but in the in the in the flurry of trying to get like 1800 words written while I'm sitting crisscross applesauce on a bed that's not my own <laughs> and trying to get in get, get trying to get things written to my usual sta- usual I- ideal of a standard while still also preparing oh I mean you're going to be you're going to be on a panel with like three people that are smarter than you on a topic that you're not terribly familiar with and that's going to happen in front of an audience of 400 people in 3 hours I had a lot of things on my mind. So I, you know, I knew what the, what the right, what the right word was. I knew what the right kernel was, uh, but for some reason I, I wrote the wrong one. Uh, cause I know, you know, I know lots of <laughs> Unix kernels at that point. And as soon as I uh, realized what, after, I, after I'd filed it, after it had been posted, I realized what I'd done and oh my God, it ruined my whole day. It ruined my whole day. Such a, it's such a bad day that, like I had to walk it off. I actually, I'm not kidding. I rented a car. This was, I was in Boulder, Colorado. I actually rented a car and took a long, long drive and got as far away from, <laughs> from where I was as I could go. I didn't have anything scheduled. Like I had, I, I had my, my panel like in the morning and then I had the rest of the afternoon off. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to rent a car. I'm going to drive to mile high comics, the famous, one of the most famous comic book stores in the entire country, if not the world. And I'm going to look at old comic books. I'm going to try to forget <laughs> that I made that stupid, stupid, stupid mistake. It's different when you're talking with somebody else, like you're building something together and you're building something that's in the moment. You're ideally when you have a partner like Flo, I learned so much about not just the topic at hand, but my understanding of the topic. And oftentimes my perspective shifts possibly because someone like Flo has offered me an insight that I had not really had before. And possibly because, again, I know that I'm actually, I, I have to, the things that I'm saying, I'm saying to another human being, and I'm going to get the reactions of that human being. So I have to, it, it activates a certain next level of examination and reflection. Like, what is my relationship with this conclusion? And how can I explain this in a way that what I'm actually thinking is actually what I'm saying, what, what people are actually going to hear. It is, uh, it is, uh, we normally record on Wednesdays. Usually uh, my, uh, my, my segments on NPR in Boston are Thursdays or Fridays. It's, and I can tell you that I'm sure that every single one of my, uh, of my NPR segments has been better when it follows having to talk about the same subject with flow the day before, you know, 
that's what I'm talking about, muting one's ego. Again, it's important to have a good sense of who you are and what you stand for and what your point of view is. But it's uh, getting back to what I said before, it's it seemed alien to me, like the calmness of like the, I don't know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who would just pound something out and then it would be printed and, you know, they, they don't get direct feedback on it. So as a result, it's always been a, it had always been this one way bullhorn, megahorn sort of thing. It just doesn't seem like it's very, very satisfying, you know? So, uh, but again, flow is going to be back next week. Yay, 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 yay. Now, of course, that's going to affect, uh, how, uh, this week's show goes. Uh, there's not much, Hey, there's not much news. Actually, there's a couple of Pretty interesting stuff that would have been at the top of the sheet this week, but Flo is going to be back next week, and it's going to be really, really interesting to talk about this stuff with her next week. So I'm going to save that, those topics for next week. So, so, so the show tease this week is this is the the me show, the Andy and Otko show. I can this is the last week in which I'm saying I'm thinking about everything that I want to say, or excuse me, the, the only voice in this show is mine. So. Well, let's let's lean into this. It's going to be the Andy and Outgo show. Um, I I almost actually did this show from the beach. Okay, <laughs> I was no no joke. Early this morning, I was out on the beach with a really really my my highest quality like mobile audio recorder, and uh, <laughs> actually, so I'm there I'm there like at a uh, uh, the I, I'm I'm not actually on the sand, but I'm on like you know it's there's I'm on like a picnic table that's like on the let la- the last place you can put a picnic table before you get to the actual sand and with some, with some notes and i've got my my bright screen brightness all the way to the max it's a very nice day today it's like 80 81 degrees and <laughs> and unfortunately the wind like there's enough of a breeze that i had to realize that uh, okay come on <laughs> this, is, this is you're going you're 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 making our poor editor jim suffer a lot for <laughs> for an idea that Probably would have been amusing, like for the first five minutes or so, and after that, it's just <laughs> it's just wind noise that people are gonna like have to deal with. Uh, so not not quite. It's not gonna be quite that insufferably uh, egotistical. Um, at least I did get an iced lemonade out of it. They had the they had a couple of the, the ice cream trucks and the food trucks there early in the morning. So at least again, I had, I had breakfast. I had fruit for breakfast. It was an iced lemonade. Hydration, citrus, scurvy be gone. Uh, so, uh, today's topic list is going to be me focused. I'm going to be talking about once again, this personal project of my workflow, but I'm also, I've got, I've got a new pain point, which is saving web pages and being able to read them no matter where I go. I have been annoyed by this now. I thought I had a solution. turns out that I do not. We'll talk about that a bit. We're also going to talk about an equally pressing technical point for Google podcast. We're going to talk about Indiana Jones for a little bit. Then we're going to talk about Space Invaders. However, Space Invaders is actually Google related this week, so that's we're we're, we're back uh, we're back on course. Uh, so we're going to take a break. The I will say that there's um, I've learned a lot in the past uh, past couple months. It's been fun, as I said, um, but the, I'm leaving this period with a certain degree of mystery. And here is that mystery: Why am I wearing headphones? I, I promise you, I am wearing headphones right now. And normally the answer to that is, oh, because you are in a Google meet with flow. 
And so you have to hear like what she's saying during the chat while you two are recording this podcast. However, I'm just sitting here alone. I don't need to listen to anything. I've, if any, if at any point I have to have to listen to anything, it's not going to come for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, if per chance I want to check the audio, I don't know. It's, it's Pavlovian. It's Pavlovian. It's, it's, it's like the difference between like, uh, how, how a dog behaves when, uh, he's just hanging around the house versus how he behaves when he has like that, that harness that, uh, that you put on them when 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 you go for walkies. So it's a different vibe, a different energy. Maybe this is like the harness I put on for for walk for walkies. These Sony headphones. I will leave you for that, that to ponder. We're going to start talking about me after this break. This episode of material is brought to you by Factor. Now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny and active days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Now, personal experience here. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I was so excited when uh, when we got the sponsor. Um, I so I, I set up everything uh, last week. They're sending me meals to, to try out, and uh, this I. I Okay, a little bit of a side note. This is the me episode, so I can talk about <laughs> I can talk about this. Um, I've been trying to expand my vocabulary for cooking over the past couple of years. That I I, I kind of like let my skills waver and my level of interest in, in home cooking kind of you know falter during COVID and during the post COVID malaise, and uh, it's it's tough. See, there there I so envy people for whom. Uh, Cooking is a really like I don't know for, for for me I need something like Factor like as as part of my uh, as part of my weekly meal planning okay these are pre prepared pre prepared dinners but not frozen dinners okay that's the that's the problem there there are nights where I've scheduled like I'm going to cook a full meal with like fresh ingredients and I actually kind of I kind of treat it as a medita- as an opportunity opportunity for meditation you know where I'm going to prepare this chicken dish that I know how to prepare I'm going to focus on, it really it really is like meditation where in this for at this moment in my life there is only this onion <laughs> in an hour's time, I'll be back in my office and I'll be trying to solve a hundred thousand pro- problems. But today, right now, this moment, I'm I'm in this moment. I'm ch- I'm slicing this onion into one quarter inch slices, and I'm going to be dicing it. Slice. I'm going to make every slice count. I'm going to make focus on every single thing I do. And there are other nights where it's like I, I do still get like a small pizza every Friday. It's my treat. I'll uh, I, I live in a neighborhood that has lots of takeout options, and I'll go get takeout. It's again, it's a nice treat, but it shouldn't be a regular thing, you know, because it's it's expensive and it's not the <laughs> a pizza a night would not be real. It's medically contraindicated. So what I love about the idea of factor is that it's a nice in between that they're prepared. It's a prepared meal. It's not like you, a box of ingredients where you, where you're going to cook uh, according to the instructions they give you. That's nice, too. But again, there's so many nights where I don't feel like cooking. You know, I just don't, I don't have that kind of bandwidth and I just want, <laughs> I, I, I want to open the fridge and mom made me something. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all there and it's all cooked and it's delicious and it's ready to go. 
and buying frozen food at the supermarket, it's frozen food. And I feel, I don't feel as bad as I do when, uh, uh, when I like, when I get McDonald's, like f- once every month or two, McDonald's is delicious more than that. And you're like, Oh, what am I doing to myself? Frozen foods, they're usually exactly like that, especially frozen meals. It's like, there might be one, it's, it's like an air, it really is an airline, airline meal. It doesn't feel, it doesn't serve the needs of, uh, of eating a meal, you know, where not only it's, it's not just a dosage of nutrition, it's, it's a sensory experience. So that's why I'm, I'm liking, uh, I'm liking the idea of, uh, of, of factor a, a whole great, a whole great deal. Uh, I went onto the site. You can choose options of, uh, what kinds of meals you like. I'm clicking into the, into the website right now. And all this looks like it looks like real food. Okay, it doesn't look like uh, it doesn't look like something that you you got out of convenience. Uh, there, if you if you're a vegetarian, they got you covered. If you if you got keto, they got you covered. Uh, and if they don't, if if there isn't like a checkbox for uh, your preferences, there is uh, an opportunity to say, hey, any any extra extra notes. Uh, for instance, I I'm going for the chef the chef's choice where I'm saying surprise me, and and I have no food I have no food allergies. Uh, it'll work just fine. Uh, and I did put in the note, please, 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 no broccoli. I don't know. I, I've got this genetic disposition against broccoli for some reason. I'm not allergic to it, but I can't. I I just can't. <laughs> so I was able, able to put that note in. My first meal uh, arrives next week, and I'm already sort of scheduling it for when is the when is that day? Well, I'm probably I'm probably gonna have it on a Tuesday night. You know, a night when I've got it's it's usually one of my busiest, busiest, busiest days. Again, I just want to open up the fridge and find that. Oh, look, mom! <laughs> mom let herself in with with her with her with her spare key and put a piece of Tupperware in there with with some, not not with not with leftovers, but with stuff that she made especially for me because he he she knows that I'm working on a book and that. Oh my goodness, uh, it's nice to it's nice to have that kind of person. And if you don't have the kind of person, you have something like Factor. So. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I was really, really pleased by this because this is, this is definitely within my wheelhouse. <laughs> this is definitely within my, 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 uh, uh, my, my era of needs. Okay. We'll, we'll go back to the ad now. I'm sorry, but yeah, as you can see, I'm, th- I'm enthusiastic about it. You'll hear, you'll hear about it later on, <laughs> later in the month when, uh, when uh, we have another ad, but going back to the ad now <clears throat> with factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. And you can treat yourself to more than 34 weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta... Sorry. Bruschetta... Two shushes. I'm not, we're not going to edit this out. I want my failings... <laughs> my failings available to the world. Bruschetta shrimp risotto. Green goddess chicken. And grilled steakhouse filet mignon. Plus, keep your energy up with Lunch To Go, Factor's effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers. No microwave required. Factor offers options to fit a variety of lifestyles, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and protein plus. Then select from more than 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes. Oh my goodness. I didn't even see that. Okay. Apple. <laughs> I'm in a very, I'm in very much a pancake mood right now. Uh, apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and smoothies. 
And you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice because Factor offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, along with sourcing renewable electricity and featuring sustainably sourced seafood. Head to factormeals.com slash material50 and use code material50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code material50 at factormeals.com slash material50 to get 50% off your first box. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Oh, I forgot to say something in the intro. Um, of course, we have a members-only episode. Thank you, everybody who supports the show as with a, a Relay FM membership. Your, your support is very, very, very much appreciated. Um, so this is the last one before we go back to Flo and I doing the bonus episodes together. So I decided I'd give you something, something a little bit special. I'm going to record an audio book for you. I'm going to record one of my favorite public domain short stories because I, we, we don't have enough, we don't have enough like firepower to afford getting sued. So I can't, I can't read all of Jurassic park. Okay. I could read the, maybe the back copy, but that's about it. But public domain, they can't do anything to us. So I'm going to record you an audiobook of one of my very, very favorite short stories in the public domain. It's not a cheesy one. It's actually a pretty good one. So thank you so much for supporting us on uh, on the Relay Network. Uh, if you want to get access to this audiobook and all of the bonus content that I and Flo and I have created for our members, go to relay.fm slash material, and you'll see a link for signing up for membership available at many, many attractive prices. But let's start off the me show. This is... Uh, You've been following the saga of, of my trying to uh, improve certain workflows, all the research that I do every single week, all the notes that I have to do, and trying to trans uh, keeping track of things that are kind of available on the workbench, like on, on the roster there, of things to write about and to talk about on this podcast and on NPR and in other places. And it's been very, very, very helpful. This has been one of the most productive 2023s uh, of all the 2023s I've had. I really, actually probably should have said 2023 has been very productive, or this has been one of the most productive years I've had. My brain decided to put all those together and pass the savings on to you. But yeah, it's it's been working great. And uh, one of the f- last remaining sort of areas of improvement is making sure that I can have access to the online research that I've, I'm sort of relying on. And some t- if it's a PDF, actually, usually it's a PDF in the form of a research paper or a proposed piece of legislation or another piece of another kind of court action. That, that's easy. Just download it. It's great. I got it. When it's a web page, I have to make sure that this web page doesn't go away, but also to make sure that all of that stuff is someplace where I can get at it. Uh, sometimes I'm working on trains and stuff and uh, it, I, I, I shouldn't have to count on having a working connection to the internet in order to refresh my memory on certain details. And previously I thought I'd hit upon the, the right answer. Uh, obviously my main browser is Chrome. I still rely on it because it's, uh, it's the most ecumenical cross platform browser out there. So if I, uh, if I create a bookmark or create a, create a history, that's going to be available to me on every single device, no matter who makes it or what form factor it is. So that's, that's kind of impossible to, to budge. And so I've been saving, uh, saving web pages that are particularly important as MHTML files. That's uh, sort of a, m- a mime standard for encapsulating uh, web pages. So that's not just the HTML, not just the text, but it's also 
uh, the graphics, not just the graphics, but also the JavaScript, like the the active components that actually keep this thing running. Works works absolutely great. It's by far my favorite way of doing this. Uh, I can exp- I can do a screenshot. That's nothing. I can I need to be able to select text and copy it over. PDFs okay. I can do print to PDF, but that's a lot of that's a number of steps uh, at a point in time where all I want to do is capture this and move on to the next thing that I need to do, whatever that step is. Uh, also, PDFs, you're sort of stuck using a PDF style reader. It's uh, it it's always true to an eight and a, eight and a half by eleven letter size sheet of paper. Whereas when I save it as a web archive, like as, as a, that MHTML file, if it's on a smaller screen or if I'm on my iPad or something where I've I've uh, created a smaller window for it, it will reflow to fit that window just as what just as it would in any web browser. Great. And the mechanism for syncing between those is a uh, is, is a, a Google Drive folder that I don't have my entire MacBook synced to Google Drive. I'm worried about the uh, the privacy and security aspects of that. That if ever <laughs> if ever I don't do my homework and I say something on the air that's not true and I get sued and Google has to hand over like everything in my Google Drive, they will get my entire they'll they'll get my entire uh, laptop if I'm syncing the entire thing. So I'm always with Google, with Dropbox and, and drive. It's always just one folder, please. Thank you. That's all. That's it. And so great. So all I have to do is save just like I'm saving a document, put it into that folder. Boom. It's going to be available to every single thing I go. If I'm about to board a train and I know, and I know that I'm going to be, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing some work during this three hour trip or whatever. I can easily just sync that to my iPad and I'm good. Great. Wonderful. However, <laughs> That's it. That's in theory. Uh, I have learned now that there is, I don't know if it's some sort of a culture war. Everything between iOS and Android seems to be like a culture war where if, if, oh God. So here's, here's the thing that's historically funny about this. Now on iOS devices, yes, there's the Chrome browser. Yes, there's the Safari browser. Yes, there are other browsers. However, they're required by Apple to essentially be using the Safari renderer. Okay, so it's, you're not actually, it's not actually a Chromium browser. It is a Safari browser that is, that uh, it's Chrome that does everything Chrome style except for the actual rendering, which is rendered via Safari. It's a security thing. That way that they, they Apple has control over the, the security and the lockdown of executable code within this window. Okay, fine. However, <laughs> so the Safari renderer does not support MHTML. It does not. It supports uh, Web Archive, which is a different format, similar but not interchangeable by any means. So I would need a totally separate program in order to display uh, an MHTML file, and there doesn't seem to be any. I was shocked to find that. Okay, so clearly there, because of I don't know, because of the traditions and the the dogma of of iOS and iPad, one of the most popular first apps in the App Store was always a document reader. Okay, it's here if you can somehow get this document in because because iOS doesn't deal with documents; it's just a database store. And it will very very cautiously and carefully and frustratingly not allow other apps to see what other files are on the system you have you have this app this app which is a document reader put it in the document reader it has all kinds of things that can export it import it send it to other apps and also read a whole bunch of different formats and files i can't find a single 
app that actually supports it. If it if I find an app that promises that it will uh, deal with MHTML files, it doesn't do it correctly. If I find even an offsite tool that will says it will convert MHTML to web archive, okay. Um, if it's a five dollar bar bet, you will win that bar bet. You did indeed ingest an an MHTML file and generate a web archive that arguably from a certain point of view has the same content in it it's not the same it doesn't really convert the file it's it becomes a mess it becomes like uh, like what happens when you don't have any style sheets or any content whatsoever it's just a mess Oy. and it's not necessarily that much better on the uh, on the chromium side obviously on my macbook uh, that's no problem because uh, the like my Chrome browser is running Chrome. It can it, it can certainly open the MHTML file that it itself created, no problem. And of course, when I'm on my Android phone, it's a Chromium browser. I can it works exactly the way that I would like it to. I can open I can go into Google Drive, double tap on one of these synced uh, saved web web pages, and it will open in Chrome as a regular local file. Great, perfect, wonderful. So I'm also laying some of the blame, though, at Google's feet, because why doesn't Google Drive have an MHTML viewer? Okay, why isn't that integral to this thing? It's, uh, it's up, uh, it just bothers me. I hope that, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's simply because this is not one of the most popular uses of the Chrome browser or Google Drive. And so if, if they've ever thought about this to begin with, they've decided that it's not worth the considerable resources that they'd have to put into uh, adding a major feature, adding any sort of substantial feature to one of the most important mobile apps uh, for, for cloud syncing. I get that, but oh my God, it's so frustrating. So now I have to figure out another solution to this thing. You'll recall that the only reason why I was looking at this sort of solution to begin with is because I now have very, very little confidence that Evernote is going to come out of its tailspin. It's now essentially doing a reboot. And I, I don't mean in the computer sense. I mean, in the, like in the movie sense where suddenly, Oh, Spider-Man is now a different actor. Oh, now Spider-Man is a woman. Oh, and now she lives in a future alternate reality in what? Okay. I'll, I'll give it a chance. I can't really, <laughs> you'll give it a chance knowing that at worst, you won't like the new movie. You won't like the reboot and you're out $11, but Hey, you, you had a good time in the movie theater. Evernote, it's been bought by a new company. They have fired everybody in the United States. Uh, they all the original like uh, developers and teams because they're moving the entire production to the home offices of their new owners in Europe. So this is a reboot. They might, <laughs> I, I can't trust that they're going to continue to create the same app that was that's been serving my needs for for a long long time um it still kind of breaks my heart it used to be so easy that if i were to save something in evernote from the uh, chrome plugin from whatever app i have mobile tablet desktop whatever all i have to do is before i leave the house for that three-hour train ride just open up the evernote app on whatever device i'm taking with me click sync and it will simply sync up the local database of uh, local evernote database on the device Done. Easy peasy. And it's right there. I can click, cut, copy, paste, have that open in one window. Great. Urgh. 
it's still a worthy, uh, I don't know. It's, it's still a worthy endeavor, however, because if anything, this still points out exactly why it's important to embrace independence, to kind of have to throw off the shackles of a proprietary format, a proprietary, uh, app like, uh, like Evernote, because again, you never know if if, you never know who's going to buy whatever app that is, or Will this stop becoming a priority for the company that owns it, even if it's a Google app, particularly if it's a Google app? At what point are they going to decide that oh, this doesn't fit, fit in with our strategy anymore? This is toast. Or we're going to make it even better. And by making it even better, they make it totally useless for your actual application. This is why a long time ago I disengaged myself from – I think this was before I – definitely before I switched from iPhone to Android. I, uh, I particularly disengaged myself from – any sort of Apple specific app that couldn't interchange information with conceivably any other app on any, any other platform. I love Apple notes. It's wonderful. It's great, but I can't use it because otherwise it will lock me into making sure that I always buy Apple stuff. And I don't want that. I want to have the freedom of choice. I don't want to be locked into Evernote anymore. I want freedom of choice. And that solution is going to involve saving it to a standard file. But man, I'm just so surprised. I'm so surprised. MHTML is not a, a, a vague standard. It was developed, I think, co-developed with. I think I do think it's a it's a MIME standard, but it was also co-developed with Microsoft to work really, really well with Microsoft Office. So I'm very, very surprised that there's there isn't just like a very, very simple. I'll, I'll give you ten bucks for it. Fine, I'll I'll pay for it because it would be that useful uh, conversion app or, or or a plugin that really, really works. But uh, oh well. It it also, but it, it it does leave me realizing why uh, I find Android a lot less annoying than iOS on so many measures. Part of the pain, yes, is the difference between Web Archive and MHTML. But another part of of it is that uh, Android will let you see the file system. It will it will uh, let you. There are times when you're not dealing with simple information that's in a database that's organized by the operating system. Sometimes you do have discrete files. And this has bitten me in the butt so many times on my iPad. It has been the one consistent pain point since day one, since I took the plastic off my very, very first uh, first iPad. Uh, must be close to 10 years ago now. Actually, yeah, probably 10 years ago now. It's uh, even just simple, such a simple thing as, hi, I've got my music library in the form of tens of thousands of audio files. I would like to put it on my iPhone and then use an audio player to play that. Oh, great. Well, here's how you do that with iTunes and the music app. I don't want to use iTunes. I don't want iTunes to come within a, a linear mile of my files because it will probably screw it up. Just tell me like how I can. No, no. You can, well, why would you want to do that? Here's how to use it once again with iTunes and, and, and the music app. Boy, whereas on Android, fine. <laughs> here's, here's here, you, you can copy it onto the device via any of a half dozen half half dozen methods. Create a file that's on the internal a folder on the internal storage, and then there are any number of music apps that you that will just play arbitrary arbitrary music files on the device. Just point it at the folder you created where you created it, where you put the music. It's good. As always, it reminds me of something that I read about uh, the theories behind like how Disney, Disney's theme parks are, are put together. Um, I think someone quoted uh, Walt Disney himself, or excuse me, or characterized Walt Disney's philosophy himself by saying that Disney wanted you to have a really great time when you're at Disneyland. Disneyland. He was so 
enthusiastic about making sure that you have a good time, that he actively, that Disneyland actively blocks you from doing anything that might conceivably lead you to not having a good time, which is like, if there are 12 steps to being in uh, living in a totalitarian state, <laughs> that's what step two. No, no, comrade. Look, you will like it's you will like it's so much better f- as a as a as a simple farmer than as a eyeglass wearing academic. <laughs> Your bus leaves in two hours. Uh, you can't take anything with you. Okay, I'm I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing the Apple, <laughs> the Apple ecosystem to Stalinist Russia. I assure you, I am not. I'm just saying that it would be nice to be able to copy a file to my iPad and being able to. The, uh, the equivalent of double clicking on it and opening it on a, opening it in a relevant app. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, perhaps we should take another break before I stick my foot even further in my mouth. Back after this. Yes, of course, Indiana Jones is much on my mind right now. It, uh, I did see Dial of Destiny. Uh, was that Indy 5? Uh, opening weekend, I was... Um, Pleased that it was my first time in a theater since uh, 2019, pre-COVID. I was pleased that uh, there was such thin attendance because it meant that there was not going to be people coughing on the back of my neck or texting or doing a TikTok challenge during the middle of the movie, thus uh, dampening my elan for the presentation. Still, there's something about, oh, I'm... Despite the fact that I intentionally selected an early, early in the day showing, hoping that there wouldn't be many people there, I kind of wanted to see a lot of people there. That was part of part of my uh, part of my cultural heritage is like leaving school early on the day that uh, that a new Lucasfilm movie opens, and getting there to an absolute first showing first day, and getting there to an absolutely packed theater full of like extremely enthusiastic fans. To this day, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a movie buff. I really enjoy movies. I have hundreds of movies on my home server. And to this day, one of my greatest experiences in a movie theater was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Because this was back in the day when it was difficult to get any any advanced information about what, a, what, up, what an upcoming movie was about. I went in absolutely cold. Didn't know what to expect. Hugh, again, if anything, I was an even bigger fan of Raiders than I was of Star Wars. It would be an argument, I, but I think that Raiders would would come out uh, come out on the top. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a few, rare example of a perfect movie where if anybody says that whatever movie that they want to put forward is better than Raiders, they will lose that argument. Not because that not because that Raiders is better, but because they're just as good and. Just, uh, the two the two, mov- the two movies are just as good. They're just two different movies. Okay, Godfather, Raise of the Lost Ark. They're just two different movies, but they're both perfect. So imagine me, particularly at a young young age. I must have been I don't know what eleven, twelve, something like that. Not knowing what to expect and not knowing what I'm going to get. The lights the lights dim. <laughs> The title, uh, the the movie starts, and I'm watching a 1930s Busby Berkeley musical <laughs> performance of Anything Goes in Mandarin. I was not expecting that. And by the end of that opening uh, opening number, before the big like first action scene at the Club Obi Wan, I was just jumping up and down on my seat, so excited. Uh, and I think that uh, the Indiana Jones saga has sort of. Uh, 
has has had its ups and downs since then. Actually, he's had its ups and downs uh, in the, somewhere in the somewhere during the runtime uh, of uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, but it's it's earned its spurs as the, as uh, as an iconic franchise. I hate, use, hate even hate to use the word franchise when it comes to Indiana Jones. So I was really really pleased that I was able to see Dial of Destiny with the exact same lack of any knowledge about what happens in it. I knew that there was some sort of a de aging technology so that they you could have a younger Indiana Jones than the eighty two year old Harrison Ford can reasonably approximate uh, with his current body. Uh, but that was it. I didn't know anything else about it. And I really thought it was a great movie. I, I Not flawless by any means. I've read since uh, a bunch of reviews. And they make a bunch of points that I certainly understand. Some that I agree with. Some I don't agree with. But I understand where the logic comes from. The only thing I don't understand is, oh, my God, it totally stinks. Can't believe what a, what a stinker they made. Oh, P.U. Oh, TikTok challenge. Uh, watch the Indiana Jones movie without vomiting. Click and subscribe subscribe i uh, that's that annoys me i think that i do think that one of the things that about humanity that predates social media is the bandwagoning of hate sometimes i hate is too strong a word it, of, i think that uh, there's always going to be an awareness that oh everybody is saying negative things about this thing i'm going to join that i want to be part of that team like I, I want, I want to be on the winning team, so I'm gonna, I'm also gonna jump on this. So, whereas in truth, I saw the movie, thought it was eh, okay, just didn't do anything for me. I'm going to say that, oh my god, I, you know, my, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I had, to, I, I had a box of juji fruit, and I decided to chew on, eat, to eat the cardboard box that the juji fruits came in because the pain of those sharp corners on you know, my throat was distracting me from how much this movie sucked. I don't, I don't think you felt that at all. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing I just don't like. Um, very, uh, no spoilers, but I, uh, I, I thought that it was well, well played out. I thought it was a really, really great way to end the character. Harrison Ford, he's had, uh, goodness gracious. He's old style, uh, old style Hollywood, super Hollywood, uh, action star superstar and i'm talking about like not just from the 70s and 80s but also from like the 30s and the 40s uh he's had the opportunity to create what three different iconic characters icon han solo indiana jones and deckard uh from blade runner like and uh, I'm, I'm i mean three characters that will linger for for a hundred years okay and unusually, he's had the opportunity to write the last chapter of each of these characters in a very, very satisfying and truthful way. Okay, it wasn't that they were trotted out and uh, uh, because we haven't seen uh, Deckard in like 20, 30 years, now he's a bureaucrat who runs the state. And on the first half of the movie, we think that he's helping the, the, the young action hero, but he's actually the, a turncoat. He does a heel turn in the middle. Like, no, it, this is still the character. Not only is this still the character, but it's also still the character, but now 20 or 30 years older. You definitely get that with, uh, with, this, with the Dial of Destiny. Uh, I really liked the fact that, that during the opening uh during during the first old indie uh action sequence very very long action sequence that takes place in 1969 
and uh, during a, uh, a ticker tape parade that's going on outside for the Apollo 11 astronauts. Amazingly good. And it's he is reacting like someone, a retired academic who uh, if if he saw what a, what he had just seen this is exactly what a 70 60 something year old 70 something year old retired academic would be doing here's how here's how he would react here's what he would do and it's not necessarily what an indiana jones would do but remember that the, the indiana jones we've seen is been like in his 30s and 40s okay so it's 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 all really really good the only thing that I had a really I had to have I had to have a question mark for was He's still wearing the leather jacket and he's still got the same like uh, gas mask bag and he's still got the same hat. And remember that in uh, when this movie, when the first Raiders movie came out in the 1930s, excuse me, set in the 1930s, that was how a person like him would have dressed. The hat that he wore was in fashion and in style. Okay. And the sort of leather jacket that he wore would certainly be, you know, it, it, maybe military surplus. I don't know. But uh, it's certainly something that uh, and something that uh, someone who is in a life of adventure needs tough clothing would wear. No problem. Yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird to see someone in 1969 putting on that exact outfit. The same thing that we saw <laughs> like in the that he was wearing in the 1950s, the 1930s, the 1940s, everything. I don't know if that would have been true. I think that was on the whole, that was the one, one part of fan service that we saw in the entire movie. And, uh, okay, I'll take it. If that's the only thing that we get, fine. That's I'll, I'll take that because, okay, I understand it is iconic. I would have really, really loved to see uh, the costume designers do the same amount of brilliance that they did designing the original movie costume for Raiders of the Lost Ark, thinking about the doing that same thought process again to think about okay he is i don't know actually don't know how he's not 82 he's not harrison ford old but he's like 60 late 60s early 70s i think how would a man in his early 70s dress if he's going off he's a, he's a retired archaeologist he's going back into the field but he has seen a, a, a buttload of action in his life both uh, as a sl- slightly roguish archaeologist and tomb raider then as a, a spy during world war ii how would he dress? And he would, given that he's going to be shopping in ni- in the 1960s, okay, he has access to Marshall Fields. <laughs> That's where he's probably going to be doing a lot of his shopping from. Uh, that would have been nicer. Uh, what I what I like to see in these continuations and these sequels, that particularly the ones that go uh, after a long, long gap uh, between now and the the previous movies, I like to see them pushing the needle forward. I don't want fan service i don't want them to pander to me i don't want them to i don't want to pack it full of oh but the uh, i want uh, i uh, we want to create the same create the this exact same experience and wonder uh and touchstones of to bring these people in their 30s 40s 50s and 60s right back to being a kid in the 70s and 80s again i don't want to be back to be uh, being a kid in the 70s and 80s i had junior high back then back then the 80s that sucked Okay, that really, really sucked. I don't want to relive that. I want you to create a movie that makes me feel that that, that I'm going to enjoy on the same level. I'm not, and I'm not going to enjoy it as an 11 year old kid. I'm going to enjoy it as a middle aged man. That's a different thing. And if you decide to make a movie that an 11 year old kid is going to enjoy, but I won't, I will at least appreciate that some 11 year old kid is going to get that same explosive uh, sense of mind blowing. Here is what, here is what action and adventure and entertainment can be like. Even if it's not for me, that's fine. Not everything has to be about me. Once again, you have to put your ego aside. 
the world is not about you and the other people on this planet are not non-playable non-playable characters this is this is what usually disappoints me about like like the the uh the uh the ghostbusters movie that was oh goodness it's like okay so why aren't there tiny stave puff marshmallow men Oh, because oh, the fans really want to, like, they're going to go nuts when they see that. Okay, well, why are they trying to, why are they driving the, it's all, all these things where the answer to the question, why are they, why is this character doing this? Why does this scene exist? It's because, oh, because we want to delight that 48 year old, that 40 year old, year old man <laughs> and make sure that he recognizes the things, gets a replay of what he saw in the 1980s. No, push the needle forward. This is such an opera. Every, every, Every movie is an opportunity, and when you just decide to make it fan service, it's a blown opportunity. To you, you, you could have made this universe bigger. You could have created a new perspective, but you didn't. You could have created a new audience, but you didn't. Okay, um, and that kind of makes me sad. Okay, because this is not. This is. Uh, I, I remember what it was like uh, as a kid in the eighties, being exposed to Star Trek. Um, this is before the next generation and like to me oh my god the people the star trek fans they were such boring nerds <laughs> i mean I, I mean in the uh, there there was no i don't want to I, I don't want to corrupt the word nerds they were dweebs they were like oh my god you're you're spending all your time having arguments over what star trek is and every time that someone gives you something that you don't feel is star trek Meaning that, oh, well, I need to have these 98-year-old <laughs> ensigns still piloting the exact same ship as in the 60s when I was a little kid watching it, uh, watching it on, the, on, the, on the living room, uh, living room carpet. If you don't give me exactly that, then I'm going to be mad about it. I'm going to say you don't understand this. You, shouldn't, you, have, no, you have no right to, to be participating in this franchise. Like that, those people were boring. That was one of the reasons why Star Wars was such a breath of fresh air. Because it was totally not that, and because I I have to I have to realize and realize and acknowledge there wasn't it hadn't in, even in the eighties it had not been long it had not been around long enough to develop a culture of hardened drips about it, and now yeah we have a bunch of we do have a bunch of drips we have our own drips for Star Wars drips forming their own stalactites. <laughs> stalactites of frustration and 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 entitlement and anger but yeah uh indiana jones the dial of destiny really liked it a lot um uh, there i think i think it's i think it's up there with uh, i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not even going to rate it there was there was one movie in the series that i didn't like for a bunch of reasons one of which being really bad uh, visual effects. No bad visual effects in Dial of Destiny, by the way. Even the de-aging stuff was... It, you're Usually when you hear that there's going to be scenes with de-aging, it's like, I'm just hoping that's not so bad that it's not that it's actually distracting. This is... No, this is absolutely successful. It's like absolutely believable. And realize this isn't just, oh, wow, there's a cameo from an actor who died 20 years ago. It's no, this is like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. You think that uh, the, the format of an Indiana Jones movie is that just like in a James Bond movie in the old days that, oh, it's going to open with an action sequence. That's sort of a separate mini movie. And then we're going to get into the real movie. No, the first 15 minutes are the start of the story that goes on for the next two hours. And there's nothing, uh, there, there's nothing about the DH Harrison Ford that you don't, that I didn't believe that I didn't buy.
Okay, let's move, let's move on. Uh, now, I did want when I'm choosing Indiana Jones as uh, a me topic here, I also wanted to talk about something that's been in my craw for a long time. Ever since I saw that episode of The Big Bang Theory, where Amy, uh, played by the wonderful Mayim Bialik, uh, um, kind of gets the other gets the gets the, the 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 male nerds in the room worked up because she says, oh, I didn't don't really like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And she's and she's being very kind about it. She's not being arrogant. Like the guys are being arrogant and pressing. Well, what, it's, it's wonderful. Why didn't you like it? And she finally says, well, I mean, Indiana Jones is like this is like the hero, right? Yeah. He's a star of the movie. Yeah. His name is in the title. Yeah. Okay. But he does nothing that if he, if you had removed him from the entire story, the outcome would have been exactly the same. Making the case that, like he basically fails to stop uh, the Nazis from uh, get from getting the getting the getting the lost Ark of the Covenant, uh, and so the only he only got it because the Nazis you know died at the end and it was left there for him. And here's I, I've got two uh, I I respect Amy Fitter, Amy Fitterfowler's uh, opinion just as I would I would respect any real person's opinion. If it didn't work for them, that's anytime someone says that this is how this movie made me feel, they're absolutely 100% correct and they should not be challenged on that. If we want to have a friendly debate, uh, uh, not an argument, but a discussion about the topic of does, would Indiana Jones, would would, uh, Raise the Lost Ark have come out exactly the same way if Indiana Jones had not been involved in it? I'm going to disagree to a simple way and a more truthful way. Now, simply on a, on a technical matter. Okay, first of all, Marion Raven would, would almost certainly be dead. Okay, if, if Indy if if Indy's plane crashed on takeoff at the start of the movie, <laughs> if that 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 uh, red line across the globe basically ended like a hundred yards into the sea, <laughs> then Marion Raven would would be dead. Okay, because uh, taught the the uh, the the Nazi interrogator, not the beautiful black robed Darth Vader analog. Uh, when she, when he finds, when he catches up to Marion at her bar in, in Nepal, he wasn't going to just simply, oh, well, I'll purchase it for $800. Thank you. Here's your receipt. Have a nice day. Realize that in the interrogation of Marion Marian Ravenwood, she said, you know, he basically approaches him with a white hot poker. And she says, I'll tell you everything you want to know. <laughs> done, done, done. Whatever you want, you're going to get it. And she says, "Oh, I know you're going to tell me what you want. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you up with this poker, anyway, with this red hot poker in your face, anyway. Yeah, he's, it's she's going to be killed, and then they're just going to take it. Okay, I that's a supposition, but I think it's a strong one. Um, also, I definitely think that the Nazis still get the Ark of the Covenant at the end, because uh, assuming that everything plays out exactly as it would have without without Indy's presence, because again, remember that, yeah." He, he doesn't blow up the ark. He just gets tied up in a stake with uh, Marion Ravenwood and the big cavern or whatever, where they open up the ark. At least uh, Belloc was still going to open up the ark before taking it to Berlin, just to make sure that, hey, we got the real thing. Yes, the, the actual stone tablets of the Ten Commandments are inside. And so everything would have played out exactly the same way. Correct, Amy. They would still have all died. The Nazis would all have been died and consumed in hellfire or whatever, sucked up to wherever they get sucked, sucked up to. But here's what's going to happen. Remember that at the end, like the, the, the top, like basically flies, drops down from the air and boom, lands back on the arc and seals it up at some point. Okay. The Nazis are whoever is in charge of that, uh, that submarine base are going to wonder, Hey, 
why are we not getting any more reports from the submarine base? They would have sent someone out there. They would find out, wow, there is nobody here. What happened to them? They would have eventually found the Ark lying undisturbed in the middle of this cavern, made a, made a radio transmission, hauled out the old Enigma machine, asked, hey, should we pick this up? Oh, yes, it's the Ark and Covenant. We've been looking for that. Thank you very much. That almost certainly would have happened. So no and no. But the big deal is that the movie, and this is something that particularly fans sometimes, like the, the, the fans who are drips don't get this oftentimes, that it's not, uh, a movie is not, is not always about the hero is the center of the story. Uh, excuse me. The, the action of the story is all contingent upon what the hero does and the hero affects everything. He has, for, he has full control. Otherwise, he is not a worthy hero. That's not the story, okay? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that the Ark of the Covenant is a MacGuffin, but it kind of is. Here's, what, here's where... I don't know, but I found some results on page. What did you find in search? I'm, I can't wait to hear. Uh. Sorry about that. We're going to leave that in. Now, think about the very uh, when uh, Marcus Brody visits Indiana Jones in his house, in his cottage, and says, they want you to, the government, after, meeting, after the meeting with the government, and says, oh, they want you to go for it. And so now he's going to be funded for this expedition to go get the, the lost Ark of the Covenant. And Indy is super excited the way that young Indy would be, which is, all right, adventure and fortune and glory and tomb raiding and whip <laughs> flying my whip and things like that. This is going to be great. Uh, and Marcus is who is at that point. Uh, he's, I don't know, 10 years older than he is, maybe 20 years older. He is like the head of the department. He is, he has had more life experience at this point than the 30 something year old Indiana Jones has had. And he's trying quietly trying to say, this is like the Ark of the Covenant is like nothing you've ever gone for, Indy. It's, and he's trying to say that they're weird, that it's something different, it's something special, that there might even be something otherworldly about it, and you should have a certain amount of intimidation about how this is going to be like nothing else, nothing else you've ever gone for, and. And he just, you know, laughs him off. So, <laughs> Marcus, you're trying like you're trying to trying to scare me with bedtime stories. You know, besides, you know what a cautious fellow I am. Like, think, oh, this is just like this is just another relic. See, he certainly doesn't believe that this contains the if this if this contains if this does in fact contain the the, the remnants of the stone tablets that bore the Ten Commandments. It was going to be significant. That, oh wow! The, so that story about the Ten Commandments is actually true. Here it is. Uh, and but they're just stone tablets in which something was someone at some point wrote this stuff. It's certainly not anything godly. Something anything, certainly nothing supernatural. It's going to be a, a, the find of the century. It's a legendary lost artifact that's been documented uh, in writings that are uh, that are a thousand years old. And now I'm going to go. I I think I kind of know where to start looking for it. And this is going to be another adventure. At the very end. So again, he doesn't believe that he believes that this is just a thing that some that people made. Okay, out of gold. Okay, to carry it around, another art, may, possibly another artifact that is also just bits of rock that might have some interesting carvings on it. That's all. At the end, now this is something that changed my perception that, that I kind of hooked on like long, long after I saw it for the first time. The Ark of the Covenant is open by Belloc with the Nazis around it. And Indy looks is curious, and he he and Marion are, are tied to the stake up up high. He's looking in, and 
uh, Tot uh, reaches in and and finds that it's just fine desert sand and laughs. And there's sort of like a half from Indiana Jones. But then some weird things start happening. And Indy realizes that there is more to this than just an artifact. This is something unexpected. And he's been doing nothing but reading about all the stories about the Ark at this point. And then he so he jams his eyes shut and tells Marion to keep your eyes shut. Don't look. Don't look, Marion. Keep your eyes shut. And I used to think that, oh, well, the re and so then the, the, the spirits, the avenging angels come out of the Ark, decimate everybody there. One of them basically flies up to where Marion and Indy are, are tied up kind of like gives them eyeballs them, does a loop around and then loses interest and or there's nothing of there's nothing important here i'm going to go back and start continue to kill nazis i used to think that it was just simply because oh well they're not look they're not seeing this so that's okay i, I just checked to make sure that their eyes were shut that's fine or hey they're the good guys i can tell that their hearts are pure they're simple victims look they're just they're tied up they're not they're, they're clearly not here of their own free will fine i later on in life though i realized that the point of that movie was the transition of Indy. He realized that whatever is inside the Ark is not meant to be seen by human eyes. And it's not the sort of, oh, I can't look at this or God will kill me. It's there are things that are godly. There are things that are worldly. I, Indiana Jones, am worldly. I have no right to look upon the face of God. I have no right to look upon godly things. I am humble. God, it comes back to ego, doesn't it? I didn't mean that to be, I didn't mean that to be like the thread that connects this entire episode together, but it turns out that it is. Uh, <laughs> I am humble before the Lord. You know, just that we saw that in the, in the, the last, the last crusade, like not just I'm kneeling, I'm going to kneel so I don't get my head cut off by the spinning blade. It's like, no, I am, this is not meant for me. Okay, I am going to keep my. I am going to be humble before the Lord. That's what I think the angels were doing, saying these these Nazis are arrogant. They were they're going to crack this thing open and you know use it for whatever you're going to use it for. Uh, this is just another thing. Indy and Marion apparently they acknowledge that we are humble. They are humble before us. They are humble before God. Their lives will be spared. We don't need to take their lives. And he's even crying like after it and not because he's not because he's seen Nazis die. He's killed lots of Nazis in this movie. He will kill many more Nazis in many more movies. I think it's because he went through this sort of epiphany. So that's why it's, that's why I think that Amy Fetter Fowler's uh, criticism about Raiders valid for her. Again, if she didn't like it, that's fine, but I don't think that's valid criticism of the entire movie. Um, in fact, the, that points to, why um we've had two movies in which we have a, a, a past middle age if you want if you want to put it that way indie uh crystal skull which <laughs> was not i did not enjoy that movie a lot it wasn't a great movie and now dial of destiny that was one that, that was a, a little spice that i thought was missing the idea that uh, if you team up indie with younger people you get to see indiana jones replay that conversation with Marcus Brody, but now he is in the Marcus Brody role. He's the one who's saying, kid, you think you know everything. You think you know the rules of everything. There are some weird, there's, there's some weird stuff that humanity doesn't understand and will never understand. And you need to respect that to keep yourself out of danger. You shouldn't just be barreling in and saying that if I mess with this thing that 
people a thousand years ago associated with unspeakable godly power keep a little nugget of <laughs> of 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 appreciation in the back of their head that there might have been something to that. Um, we didn't get that. However, what we did what we did get in Dial of Destiny was at least <laughs> as soon as like the young chick. Not I don't want to say young chick, but. You know what, when, when there's a, an action movie with an older action star, there's going to be a young woman, a very much younger woman that absolutely is way too young to be hooking up with this guy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a given. What I like about, what I liked, one of the things I liked about Dial of Destiny was that the, this character, A, was a, a very well-rounded, very well-established character who could support a, a, a movie of her own, frankly, uh, but Indy does not put the moves on her in any way, shape, or form. No, no, and, and there isn't. There also isn't like any inkling that maybe that's going to be a development later on in the movie. <laughs> that was he's 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 in his late sixties, early seventies. He's being played by a man in his eighties. If you have a woman in her thirties and they're making out, that's Kirk Douglas stuff. <laughs> uh, the movie Saturn Three. Uh, you can find it illegally on YouTube. I. I <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a good movie to, to watch and sort of fast forward through. It's not a good movie, uh, but it, it is, it is the classic I'm Kirk Douglas and I'm 60 was he is the fifties. He was definitely past his, uh, his Ben hurt. He was definitely past his, uh, uh, Spartacus days where, Hey, I'm a handsome buff, uh, movie star in his thirties. Like, no, you know, you're in your fifties, maybe in your sixties. I don't know. Depending on how you doctored your birth, birth certificate for Hollywood, you should not be making out with Farrah Fawcett. Okay. You should not be insisting on nude scenes with Farrah Fawcett. You should also not be demanding that. Oh, I want my own nude scene. I want people to see my muscle toned back. It looks bad. Kirk, it looks bad. Okay. The stories about you are far worse than that. So you're not going to, you're not going to screw up your reputation here, but that's not good at all. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, well, last thing, because that, that reminded me of something. It also doesn't, it doesn't set up a reboot of the series or revitalization of the, of the series. That was another thing that would have been really disappointing about Dial of Destiny. If it's clearly uh, brought in like, oh, he's teamed up with a young archaeologist who learns the ropes and has their own Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure. And it starts, it ends off with like, you know, the, the, the young, uh, the, the young adventurer, like, uh, racing out of the campus to start a brand new adventure that uh, before the end credits and Indy like hugging someone saying, you know what? I think that kid's going to be okay. I really think he's going to be okay. And he's basically telling the audience, yeah, and we're going to try to make at least two more movies with this guy <laughs> because Harrison Ford is now basically tired of the role. Please invest in him the same amount of money that you've been investing in the franchise before then. None of that. It's really did end the series very very nicely and on a really really good note okay well gosh i did talk about yeah she talked an 80 80s 80s kid talking about a lucasfilm movie that's gonna go pretty (laughs) that's gonna go longer than you intended yeah i'm talking about it for half an hour about it so i did promise uh, uh space invaders uh so i'm gonna make this really quick there is a really cool augmented reality app that uh google uh and Taito, I don't know how to pronounce Tai T A I T O, the Japanese game company uh, that uh, uh, that created Space Invaders. So they created a, uh, they've actually released the Space Invaders game that they teased at Google I/O. It's a game called Free Game for iOS and Android called Space Invaders World Defense. And there is a colon there. I will leave it to your imagination to place that colon correctly. 
and it's a kind of a demonstration of how good their APIs for uh, creating augmented reality content based on Google's uh, data set of uh, Street View data is. It is Space Invaders. Only you go outside and you're using, and uh, through your phone or your tablet, you can act, you will actually see uh, the bitmapped but 3d shaded bitmapped aliens in the sky and also like sliding in and out of streets and behind buildings <laughs> uh, and it's actually pretty cool it's it i saw some people writing about it saying that it was a little bit like pokemon go because there are aliens hiding in your neighborhood that you have to try to find or whatever it's not like that it's, it, it is largely just a fun uh, fun diversion i really liked it i have to say that i had to i had to make a trip special trip into the city because in my humble coastal historic quaint seaside village the effect isn't great <laughs> it, this is not the environment that i think that uh, that google and tato intended for this game not a really a good uh, good showcase of google's ar core technology which powers the game but <laughs> this is but it does uh, i will cut this short because we're already kind of going kind of long uh, but this is this is the sort of augmented reality right now that gets me more excited than uh than apple's vision pro uh, or other like vr slash ar headsets because it's very very practical it's a it's obviously a killer demonstration of how good this technology could be based on apis that now anybody can access uh, be, being able to overlay content upon a live view and also make that live view relevant that's really cool i'd like to see how other people can take advantage of that even beyond google maps uh, google maps uses it very very well but again that's another thing that you have to it works better if you're in new york city than if you're in you know west walpole massachusetts say um but it's not just because it's practical it's because it's accessible you know even when $500 VR slash AR headsets become a thing, until we see a real transformation, a real, oh God, a, a real revolution in display technology, the capabilities of this of display technology, the size, the weight, the power consumption, and also the cost of this display technology that makes augmented reality and virtual reality work, it's still going to be at best, even if it's five hundred dollars, it's going to be this extra thing that nobody really needs that only people who have five hundred dollars to spend on a luxury device are going to be able to get. More likely, it's going to be a thousand dollar thing that only people who can afford a thousand dollars for a luxury device can can actually get uh, afford to get. That's not aspirational for technology. I'm really, really, really attentive to the sort of developments that move the needle for tech. And it's never something that here's a $3,500 thing that rich people can get. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is not a class warfare thing. Okay. Uh, it's, um, if you have the sort of money that you can afford to spend a half a million dollars to spend seven minutes at the top of a ballistic orbit, uh, ballistic, uh, flight path that will give you actually probably two or three minutes <laughs> in actual space and of weightlessness. You know what? Okay. I mean, I'm not going to ask how you made your money, but okay, it's your money. Fine. If you want to spend uh, a quarter million dollars trying to see the Titanic again, I don't, I don't think that's a great use of money, but okay, whatever you want to do. I'm not, again, if, if I, if I'm going to judge you for spending that half a million dollars to, uh, to go on a Jeff Bezos space flight, I also have to sort of defend the fact that, uh, I was at a, 
university bookstore, <laughs> an art school's bookstore yesterday, and I spent like $12 on pens that I don't need just because I thought, that, ooh, that's a cool pen. Ooh, that's a cool pen. You know, that's still, I don't need, that's $12 I could have given to a food bank and $12 at a food bank would have bought like $40 or $50 worth of groceries, okay? So I, I'm not going to judge. However, don't tell me that, uh, don't, don't tell me that uh, Blue Origins uh, tourist space flights are moving the needle on space flights. Don't tell me that tourist trips, billionaire tourist trips to deep sea are moving the needle forward on deep sea exploration or on the development of these kind of vehicles. They don't. And also don't tell me that the development of a $3,500 headset for virtual reality, augmented reality is moving the needle on a brand new paradigm for computing. It isn't even what moves the needle is the hundred dollar smartphone, the smartphone that's so cheap and so capable that the government, our government, the United States will buy you, will basically give you a free one of these with a free data plan if you are in economic need. Then this becomes a technology that helps everybody, not just amuses a small subset of everybody. So that's that, that so that's why I think that this simple free augmented reality space invaders game shows shows the way forward just the same way that in that same trip uh, to the city yesterday to a play space invaders and also again shop for pens i've had a couple of other errands and i was using my my 99 uh, uh pixel buds a uh just to use google maps i didn't uh having one earbud in my ear getting directions going on my phone and then just simply walking and enjoying my walk enjoying a one mile walk on a very pretty day in a very, very pretty part of a very old city by American standards. And just every now and then I would get a little voice in my ear saying, turn left on, on major street. Like, oh, okay. Thank you very much. Magic voice. That's wonderful. Okay. It's useful. It doesn't intrude. It doesn't take me away from my environment. I could explore and enjoy where I was, but I had the augmentation of the experience with this technology and a very cheap technology. This could have been a $30, $20 pair, pair of Bluetooth heads. It could have been, could have been a $5 plug-in. Okay. My phone doesn't have a headphone jack, but you get the, but you get the point that's moving the needle. Okay. And finally, because this is a Google podcast and we're talking about augmented reality, uh, it gets me back to the, uh, the, the notion that Google glass is hailed as a, one of the most, uh, one of the funniest failures of all of, of, of technology. And oh my God, it's so pathetic. Huh? You never see Apple doing something like that. And I keep, I stick to my guns that I don't think that there was a failure. It was always designed as an experiment that we have to try. We're going to try some stuff. We can't try it in a vacuum. So we're going to, on a limited basis, make a, a, a very, very small quantity of this hardware for people who are especially interested in trying it out. So much so that they're willing to spend $1,500 and be on a wait list to get it. Uh, and we're going to see how it goes. By the way, that does go back to that other, hey, I perceive that this is being, most of the majority of people are talking about this as, as a loser thing. So I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to make sure that every time I talk about Google Glass, I make up something fun about it. Ugh. I did that once too. I have to admit it. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I sometimes am nasty as anybody else. There was a uh, uh, Coldplay, I think it was Coldplay. Yeah, there was a, I, I made a joke about Coldplay that I shouldn't have. I don't, I couldn't name a Coldplay song if you asked me, if you gave me a thousand dollars, but I know that I, I was struggling for in the context to, uh, to an unhip band that people don't like. Uh, and, 
or uh, either Coldplay or Nickelback, doesn't matter. And either both bands I don't know anything about. And I shouldn't have said that. I should have, that was, that was mean spirited. But getting back to, getting back to Google Glass, you know, every, when I need to, uh, when I need to get information from the assistant through my Pixel Buds, I, I, I use, I get this exact same experience I got with my Google Glass. It's you press and hold on a, on a tap sensor that's, now uh, in your ear as opposed to just above your ear wait for a tone that is unchanged since google glass to confirm that okay now i'm listening i'm the google assistant and i'm listening to what you have to say and then you give it the command you release it and it makes the exact same tone as google glass did to say that okay i'm done listening and i'm going to act upon this that's wonderful okay so there there's a lot of there's a lot of ideas that they took from google glass it lives on uh, in certain in, in in a number of different ways just like you know, your grandfather might be dead, but his, your, 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 your child, his, his or her grand, his uh, grandchild, uh, your grandfather lives on in that little twinkling of that eye, that, that little arching of an eyebrow that you recognize in your eyebrow in your, in your grandfather, your, uh, he or she does not look anything like your grandfather, but you, you recognize they, they arch their eye and you see your grandfather lives on in that. Ah, there's something very, very positive in all of that for us. Okay, well, I'm going to certainly wrap things up right now. Next week, once again, hurrah, 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 <laughs> hooray, Florence Ion will be back. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be quite a celebration. I can't wait to talk to her again. I've talked to her uh, as friend to friend. I have not talked to her on a podcast or about Google anymore. We're saving a couple of good topics for her, so that will be quite quite a savory experience for all of us, I'm sure. Uh, until then, go to flowrights.tech to uh, see whatever she's choosing to post there uh you can go to oh that flow on instagram and twitter etc which she has her social media she is posting some stuff there she has been very very assiduous as i mentioned last week or the week before that this is supposed to be a sabbatical this is a medical leave she is not working uh to make sure that she heals up and gets everything you know her headaches are going away and that sort of stuff uh and so Go to uh, go to oh, that flow to uh, check out anything that she has posted about her real life. Mostly about mostly about uh, uh, about oh god, what are they? Not the not Digipets. Tamagotchi, right? She has the brand new uh, Tamagotchi that came out like a week ago, and she's been posting a lot of stuff about that. I'm sure we'll be talking about Tamagotchi next week too. Uh, as for me, uh, go to Anatko on Twitter on Instagram. Uh, and uh, check out stuff there. You can go to wgbhnews.org uh, to look at uh, to listen to the stuff that I've been talking about on a semi-weekly, but weekly, we- weekly or semi-weekly basis for WGBH, uh, Boston's NPR station about technology. And once again, to our members, thank you so much for supporting our show. If the rest of you would like to join the, the, the join the the pool party, uh, it go just go on to. Uh, relay.fm slash material you'll find a link for memberships and you can sign up and once again you'll be this week you'll be getting a book on tape or book on digital (laughs) however you wish to put it well we're all looking forward to next week but until then everybody have a happy safe and wonderful seven days bye-bye